Hello, podcast friends. When I started Badass Asian Dudes, I had a list of people that I knew I had to get on my show. Today's episode features one of them. He's my friend Ben. He started a company called Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks sells nootropic supplements, you know, supplements for your brain. And Ben is a badass entrepreneur that I've known for a while. I first met him at an entrepreneur conference a few years back when he was one of the speakers. This was my second interview I did, and I don't have many episodes, but this is already one of my favorite ones. I really enjoyed this talk, and I think you guys will too. We talk about what he learned at his first internship that helped him create his seven-figure supplements company. We talk about how he partnered with a huge influencer in the wellness space, along with how he became the sponsor for the World Series of Poker Champion. Yes, the World Series of Poker Champion. Ben is a badass Asian dude, guys. This is a really great episode. And if you want to get into entrepreneurship, you have to listen to this one. One last thing before we start. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it. If you know someone that it would help, please send it to them. If you really like it, please write a five-star review so other people can find it as well. I would really appreciate it. And if you didn't know, I have a Facebook group. Go on Facebook, search Badass Asian Dudes. We already have a ton of quality discussions going on there. If you want to meet other like-minded people, other hustlers, other people on their path, go ahead and apply to the group. We would love to have you. Let's get right into the podcast. All right. Oh, did you got the Bro, boom mic and everything? Sounds what's good. What's going on? What is going on? Not a lot, though. How many of these podcasts have you done so far? You are my third interview. Damn. Do you have an editor or are you doing it yourself? I did one myself and then I decided I'm just going to get an editor. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm clean up all the good bits. Yeah, take exactly. Good I'll make you sound it. good. Take like out all the odds. The odds. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. I think you're hitting on like a very cool area, which is, you know, one part Asian masculinity and, and celebrating, you know, whether it's brotherhood or whatever, and just coming around something common and just trying to lift everyone up. And I think that was kind of the goal when you started it. So it's exciting to be part of the podcast, excited to see, you know, what that all turns into. It's definitely scary to put yourself out there. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, I've done like podcasts. I had one for a while, whatever, built an audience and all that stuff. And I remember sometimes I would just like eat an edible and get like so stunned and then have like the anxiety like creep in like, oh, am I sounding like an idiot? Does this stuff matter? What do people yeah. think of me? And then you, you eventually get over it and realize like, no, none of that matters as long as you're putting out, you know, things that you believe in and things that are authentic to you, it's fine. But when you're going up this path, you are going to have like certain things like, oh shit, like, oh my God, it's an exciting time for you though. I'm stoked. Yeah, really exciting. And I think the thing that put me over the hump to do it was that I thought maybe if I could just help one person, I know that sounds really cheesy and kind of corny, but if I could just help one person, then that'd be pretty cool. So, so is it pretty really nuts. helping one person or are you also like helping yourself in a way? I'm like, learning what? a lot too Yeah, because yeah. I, I get to reach out to like a lot of people that I think are really cool that are doing like cool things. Did you reach out to the Yang gang? Did the Yang I gang get back to you yet? reach out to him, but no, not yet. We probably need to get a few episodes <laughs> under our belt. Well, Yang, if you're listening to this, I donated $50 to your campaign just because it was so easy. I don't even follow any of that shit, but I was like, this dude's doing it. He's out there hustling. Have $50. Dude, I love it. The Yang Gang, he's out there hustling for sure. 
It's pretty yeah, cool. He's got like the shirts or the hats or whatever that just say math on them. Yeah, I'm like, I want oh, that. So awesome. I want that. I want so that awesome. hat. So first, you got to tell your story about gift card rescue and story, how you got started story, in story. the e-commerce space. Cool. Well, Chris, thank you for having me. Excited about this project. Excited about what you're doing. And if I too can help one person from listening to this, you know that's you pretty, that's pretty badass. Am I allowed to curse or no? Is this going to yeah, happen? We can curse. It's okay. Badass Asian dudes, you know. Okay. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. So I got my start in e-commerce. Thinking about this all now, that's like 2009. And basically, what happened was I was at school at South Car- in South Carolina for uh, resort tourism management. Basically, like one summer during high school, I ended up working for like my friend's parents who owned, I think, they owned, like four hotels. Right. And they drove like the Porsche Cayenne when it first came out. Super, super nice. And I was like, man, I want to own my own fucking hotels one day. How sweet would that be? And so I ended up, you know, uh, majoring that in college. And I guess maybe after the first or second semester, like some VP, big wig at Marriott, like came and spoke to all of us and was like, oh, the hospitality industry is great, but you're never going to have off any of the holidays, all the times that your friends are going out, you're going to be working. And all those times you want to spend with your family, you know, you're going to be working too. And immediately I was like, no, fuck that. That's not, that's not going to work for me because what is the point of, you know, working hard, creating your own wealth if you don't have the time to enjoy it? So that was kind of like one of the light bulb moments in my life where I was like, oh, no, nah, this this totally, completely isn't going to work, and I need to make change. And I think that a lot of people, you know, have that have that point. Whether you're studying to be a lawyer, whether you're studying to be a doctor, or, or anything, you might have that kind of moment, that inflection point in your life where you're like, "Hey, is this really what I want to do?" And th- there's like two. I mean, obviously, there's two ways of going. You know, one that person just trudges along, just like, "Hey, I already come this far. I'm going to do it." whatever, and then ends up quitting way down later. But for me, I was like, hey, I'd rather just take the risk now while I you know, have nothing to lose and make a complete total shift. How old were you at that time? Uh, 2007, I graduated high school. So like 19 or 20, I guess. And That's pretty nuts. That's yeah, pretty nuts. You're pretty young to realize that kind of thing. I think it one that that's definitely true, but it all kind of starts like, what is your goal? You know, what do you want out of life? And obviously I'm still learning more and more about that, you know, as I grow older and do things like get married and shit, but, but, um, you know, I've always wanted wealth and freedom and, you know, that, that shifted in some ways where I, I value freedom more than I value anything else or freedom and health more than anything else, but kind of learning that, Hey, if I keep going down this way, I'm not going to be able to build that ideal life. I need to make a, make a change. So you already had an idea of what your clear life was when you were that young? I think it comes, I mean, I grew up in suburban middle-class area. And, you know, if you go to my high school, you would see like tons of BMWs and things like that. Meanwhile, you know, I inherited my dad's like minivan that had 250,000 miles on it. So it was always a goal of mine to achieve that level of, you know, financial success or security or whatever. It was like, hey, I'm here, but I'm here to work and I'm here to get where I want to be in life. You know, that, that's also motivated by 
I'm in college. Everyone's going on spring break trips to like Costa Rica or something like that. Meanwhile, I'm like, fuck, dude, I can barely get something off like the Wendy's menu right now. So it was always like, this is my opportunity. I cannot waste it all. I mean, if I had money, I probably would have wasted it off and figured it out later. But, uh, you know, lucky for me, it all worked out. Dude, that's awesome. Okay, so you have that vision. You know what you want. What is the next step? What do you do? Well, well, first, I, I transferred back to home. So I transferred to University of Maryland. I was a terp for, uh, I guess, one whole semester. And I'm majoring or trying to get into the Smith School of Business there. I had to take some more classes or something like that to even apply. Meanwhile, I'm always looking for jobs and found an internship on Craigslist. And it was doing e-commerce uh, out in Ellicott City, which is in Howard County, Maryland. A little bit of a drive from College Park, and that's kind of where I started. So the company was giftcardrescue.com. I was the first person to be employed there. And basically what it was, it no longer exists right now, is uh, you know, a two-sided marketplace business where you know, we'd buy the gift card off of you. So your aunt gives you $100 to Walmart. Chris, you're way too fancy to go to Walmart. You hate Walmart. You know, we buy it off you for 80 bucks and then resell it for 90 and make money off of the spread. We did tremendous amounts of revenue, but it very challenging business. And if you're out there and you're listening and you're like an entrepreneur working on your idea or something like that, and you don't have a bunch of money or capital behind you, do not try and build a two-sided marketplace. It is hard enough, you know, <laughs> building an e-commerce brand or doing anything like that. And when you have to fight a war on you know, getting your supply in, selling it, et cetera, like don't, don't do it. I mean, unless you're raising a bunch of money, then that's fine and have a bunch of experience. But otherwise I'd say at least for your first venture, avoid at all costs. And that was your first job. It wasn't my first job. I mean, I, I probably worked in everything. I always had on my resume that, uh, I was like a sandwich artist at Subway that always got like a lot of laughs from people, but you know, everything from retail and like a surf skate snow shop to every single job in a restaurant, except I never worked behind the bar, which is probably a good thing. And then I actually got rejected from Best Buy, maybe like five or six times. Oh shit. I applied all the time in high school. They never wanted oh, shit. me. That's like some okay. fucked up racist shit or something like that. I don't know why they didn't hire me. I'm still mad about it, Best Buy. I'm still mad. I'm out here still angry. <laughs> Salty. Right. And then, so Gift Card Rescue, what did you learn from there? Wow. Absolutely learned everything because there's a big difference when you're working at a company that has a bunch of capital in the bank, in the bank and where you have to like scrape by and kind of figure it out. And I love being locked into that you know situation where you know, basically we're at the edge and you're either going to fall off or you're going to keep going. And for us, it was always like, Hey, let's hit this milestone. It was great to hit it, but we need to keep moving forward in order for the business to grow and even survive. And I think that mentality of being like a bootstrapper, hunter killer is kind of what has stuck with me my entire, I guess, professional life, professional career. And that's kind of the reason why my partner Roy and I now have avoided outside capital or any investors or anything like that, because it's like, Hey, not only do, do we get to control our own destiny, but we, we, we love having that, that freedom to do what we want, but also know that the pressure's on all the time. That would be the main lesson that I learned. And then also cash is king. And if you're out of money, you're, you're out of business, which is pretty, pretty basic, but 
Very, very true. Cash is king. Very important point. Okay, so gift card rescue. And then right after this, is this the story of natural stacks? No, so uh, I, I think I worked at gift card rescue for maybe three and a half years or a little bit longer than that. And meanwhile, I was still going to school at night. My mom and I kind of, because I left Maryland uh, to, to go work at the e-com startup full time, which is like another example of like, hey, that's a huge thing. You graduated from Maryland. You're going to get a nice job somewhere doing something, maybe working for like, I, I don't know, some somewhere corporate. And I had like another good path, I guess, in front of me. But I did make that shift. It's like, hey, I want to commit to this full time. This is what I want to do. I had the support from my parents, but they were like, dude, you have to finish school too. So I ended up going to night school uh, that whole time at University of Baltimore. So once I finished, graduated and everything, that's like 2011-ish, I was like, I need, I need a little bit of a break. And I, I think, tough, I, I think a lot really of founders, tough. a lot of founders or a lot of startup people never take breaks. They just grind and grind and grind. And then it's like their health falls, their relationship falls, everything like that kind of goes to the side. But with me, it was like, Hey, recognize very early on that you can only put your head down for so long. You need to come up for oxygen every once in a while. For sure. That's so important. That's so incredibly important. And there was this period of time when I was starting my business as well, where I was just working nonstop. And then my neck froze. Like Your neck froze. My neck, yeah, my neck froze. It was frozen for three months. What? So when I was driving, I had to like turn my whole body to look. I went to like all different kinds of doctors, all different kinds of acupuncturists, massage therapists. It was just, it was frozen. When was, was that nuts. for you? This was when I was starting my business. So I was around 25 or 26. You started your business. You went to work somewhere after school? Yeah. Where so did you right work? after school, I worked in uh, New York City. I worked in finance for a little bit. No wonder you dress so nice, dude. You, yeah. you went from there, you go to New York. You went to school where again? Miami? Emory. Oh, Emory. Yeah, oh, so Atlanta, you go to Georgia, New York Atlanta. and hot yeah, Atlanta. Finance, exactly. And then I uh, decided that wasn't for me. And then... Why wasn't you know, that for I, you? Because I think exactly what you said, I want freedom. And so I always want to optimize my life for freedom. Do what I want whenever I want wear whatever I want. That's the most important thing to me. And just when you have a corporate job, that's, that's not the case, you know? So like even right now, it's, uh, I mean, it's early right now, but just during the day today, I can go do whatever I want. If I want to meet a friend for coffee or something, then I can, that's the best life. I think the best part of having freedom is being like, no, I don't want to meet you for coffee because so many people will always ask you all the time. I, one of the great things, I'm in like a total Twitter dork or Twitter nerd or maybe Twitter addict, but Naval on there like tweeted recently is like, you know, I don't care if you're, you know, an executive at, you know, the top bank in New York City. If you have to go into work in the morning and meet someone at lunch, you are not free. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you make. And I was like, wow, that is such an awesome point. And it, it sounds like that resonates with you as well. Naval is such a boss. I'm a huge Twitter addict too. I love Twitter. I don't even see you on there, man. Oh, we're gonna, I, I'm we're very quiet on it. there. I'm oh. very, very quiet on there. I'm a lurker. Uh, dude, don't lurk. We, we need people like you contributing. <laughs> well, now that I have this podcast, I am going to be posting a lot more. Okay. But I, Twitter is awesome. I think Twitter is the best social media platform. Oh, by far. By far. But yeah. I mean, there's just so much you can do and so much you can access. And we can nerd out on Naval for a second because I just want to say one more thing that just like stuck with me is 
he just said, like, if you're so smart, then why aren't you happy? Because all of us know people that are like super, super intelligent. Like whenever I walk into a room, I'm like, dude, I'm probably like the dumbest or like maybe the second dumbest person here. But if we switch to the happiness scale, like I'm all the way on the other end of the spectrum. And so many people get that wrong when it, come, when it comes to approaching their lives and what they're optimizing for and what they're building for. And yeah, everyone jump on Twitter. We can all share these philosophies with one another. Dude, I guess this is awesome. I, I love talking show. about this kind of thing. <laughs> I love talking about this thing. Okay. Regarding your happiness, what do you think has made you the most happy? Like what is like the strategy or the thing that you do that makes you happy? I have something as well. So I want to share mine, but what's yours? The, the biggest thing for me. So we'll kind of jump, jump around like when it comes to my story and stuff like that. But after I started getting like a little bit of success, I was like, man, I'm going to be like an e-com influencer or something like that, right? Or, or a teacher or whatever. And for a while I was like, I mean, I've given speeches for hundreds of people all over the world, whether that's like Bangkok, you know, in the Venetian, Las Vegas. That's how I met you in person, actually. Yeah. Uh, at a different, fast lane. Yeah, yeah. In, in Phoenix, right? Or Scottsdale that's or something right. like yeah. that. It was hot as balls that day. I remember. And that's kind of like what I went after, right? And it was like an identity that I was like pursuing. And I was like, hey, this is going to be me. I'm like this entrepreneur, investor, advisor, speaker, because that's who like my heroes were. And, you know, eventually I kind of just had, I don't, I don't know what it was, but I was like, you know, I'm doing all of this and I enjoy it, but it's not really bringing me the level of fulfillment that I thought it would. And even when I would like scale it up and kind of like get right to the top where I'm like speaking right before someone super big or whatever. I just kind of was like, I don't know, but that, that shift from losing that and going back to, Hey, just doing more things that I love while also being like an investor, advisor, mentor, and all this, you know, everything else. It's like, you can do it all at once. You, you don't have to conform to one identity or another. And I think that's a problem that, you know, tons of people face and maybe, you know, maybe Asian guys and girls face it even more because they feel like, hey, we have to act a certain way or do a certain thing in order to, you know, be successful or for people to like us or for society to be happy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the biggest thing for me was saying like, fuck all of that. I'm going to go after anything that I want and, you know, work hard enough to be at least somewhat successful at it and stop tying my identity to like one thing or, you know, being this or being that. That was a, that was a long ramble. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's deep, dude. That's really deep. Seriously. That's seriously awesome, though, to realize. I feel like most people, they don't realize that. They go through life and don't realize that. I think for me, the biggest thing for my happiness... Have you heard of the five-minute journal? I know that like all these influencers like Tim Ferriss, they love like the gratitude journal. I think that has been absolutely huge for me. Do you do this? Uh, I, I feel like you're a journaling journal. guy. I'm not a journal... <laughs> Like that is like one thing that I like start and I'll do it every day for like a while. And then maybe like one night I'll have too many Jamesons or something like that. And I'll wake up in the morning and be like, scribble, scribble, scribble. And then I just won't pick it up again. I'm shocked, actually. I, mean, I, I pegged you for a journal. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I told you, like my identity is all over the place and you'll never peg me. But no, I, I, I used to do it a lot. And I think it's important to get your thoughts down. And I do carry around a notebook, but do I practice it every day? No. 
Should I? Probably. But that's what Twitter's okay. for. It's just like a stream of my content. For sure. For sure. I'm a huge, huge journal guy. And so every morning I do the gratitude thing, write down what I'm grateful about, what I'm thankful about. And I think it's huge. It really changes your psychology and starts your day off really well. Like for today, like I wrote, I'm grateful for my cup of coffee, you know? So like the beans are from Ethiopia. And like, if you think about it, that's crazy that you can get beans from Ethiopia and drink that as your daily cup of coffee here in Korea right now. And so just kind of like it switches up your psychology, makes you think about what you're grateful about rather than I think most times you think about what you want, like things that you things that you want to accomplish in life or things that you want in life, things that you want to buy. But when you think about the things that you're grateful about, you think, wow, I do kind of have a good life. And so I think for me, I mean, my it's, happiness, it's just like forcing yourself to be happy, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just like doing that first thing in the morning to release yes. this endorphin. So no. yeah. It works. My birthday is coming up, so you can send me a journal. I'll send you that. I'll send you that. We got to wait a while. It's okay. Okay. So, and then going back to your story, I know that you also had a short stint in Vietnam, right? Did did you do the whole digital nomad thing? Uh, I was like a wannabe digital nomad. So before that, let's touch base on one one other thing that I bring up. The, um, The other thing that I would say the secret, the key to unlocking happiness you know we'll do a little drum roll real quick is just stop comparing yourself to others you you were you were just talking about desires and wants and needs you know realistically there's only like three or four things maybe three or four objects in your entire life that you own that are going to bring you some sort of happiness and obviously that's different for everyone for me right now it's like my truck my snowboard and my freaking peloton treadmill that i run on every day but like outside of that it's like you know, everything else is basically meaningless. If you compare yourself to others and, and always are looking at that, especially with the way, you know, Instagram and all these things work now, you're going to be a miserable person. So those two things shifting away from like allowing any of like my titles to, you know, identify me or define who I am as a person and comparing myself to other people. You know, once I kind of got rid of those things in my life, I just became like a million times happier. And I think both of those are incredibly hard and challenging to do. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, mental health in, in this country and I guess all over the world is such a you know major catastrophic crisis, I would say. But those two things can have a huge, huge impact. Yeah, that's that's so hard, though. Have you read the book Digital Minimalism? Oh, yeah. Cal Newport? Book? Yeah. Yeah, that's my Cal dog. Newport's a boss. Yeah. Cal oh, Newport's my God. If I could buy like an autograph like thing from him, I would hang it on my wall because all of his books, you know, I've read them. I have like the Kindle, the hardback and the audiobook, And it's like, I'm on a plane or something like that. I'll just put it back on because there's so much, whether it's digital minimalism, deep, deep work, work, you know, deep all work. of them. And wow. I'm just like, I'm like, man, I tell everyone like, you, you have to get in on it. And he's like telling you like, Hey, these are the things you have to cut out of your life. This is what you have to ignore. It's like, if you can't even sit down and focus for 30 minutes, how do you expect to get anywhere in your life? For sure. For sure. Cal Newport is such a boss. So after reading the book, Digital Minimalism, I deleted my social media on my phone. So I deleted Instagram and I deleted Facebook. And I think it was incredibly helpful because you're not bombarded by ads. You're not bombarded by things that you want to buy, things that your friends are showing off. And 
I, I do that too, for sure. I think everyone does that. But when you don't have social media on your phone, you're not mindlessly scrolling. You're not affected by those kind of things because you just don't see them. Yeah. I mean, part of that's like curation too, because obviously you can, you know, curate your feed in such a way where like certain people, I just like ignore their stories or mute their posts or whatever. But man, it is a trap. As soon as you hit that like magnifying glass thing on Instagram, you're like, oh man, look at this food. Oh, look yeah, at this hotel. It is a trap, oh, it's like way worse they than got you, or Wikipedia or anything, you know? Those those developers out there working in Silicon Valley and SF, they they got you. Yeah, they are they engineering people's minds, which is crazy. And I mean, kids today, they don't know the difference between what's real and what's not and what it takes to attain those things because you know, the majority of it's fake or mixed up. We were just, uh, we were just in Miami and we're like sitting out on the porch somewhere in one of the shopping areas. And we're just like drinking some wine. And I see all these people just go up and like, they're taking pictures in front of like the YSL sign. And it's like, dude, you're not in there buying anything, but you're like posting it on there. It's like, what is going on here? It's pretty scary, dude. Yeah. You know, it is. Just walking around and then seeing like all these like photos, all these people taking photos that also kind of got me to stop posting a lot of photos about myself as well. Because I don't want to be that person. But you, but you look good when you do post the photos. I, sometimes I, I, I do. I sometimes I, I'm, I'm like, damn, dude, I need to get in a better shape. And I need to eat like, you got like pictures of like ice cream. I'm like, damn, I need an ice cream right now. Oh, I cut out sugar. No more sugar. <laughs> you did? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, no more sugar. I'm all about longevity now, you know? So sugar, okay. is, sugar is a killer. Oh, Absolutely. Okay, so digital nomad, you were you were a wannabe digital nomad, so you're out there. What are you doing out in Vietnam? After I left Gift Card Rescue, I had like a music blog that was named after something Skrillex said at like a show. And this is like when electronic was like just becoming popular. And he played at this like dirty, stinky club in, in Baltimore. And someone had like a raft out there that like Stevie Oki will throw at his shows. And he's like, oh, I'm going white raver rafting. I thought it was really funny, clever. I think my friend Evan actually coined the term and and told him, but I I had a music blog for a while. And, you know, before the whole digital nomad, natural sax thing came around, I basically was, I ran a team of maybe like 15 different writers all across the U.S. We have photographers send them out to major events. And it was super awesome because it was like, hey, we can just go to any festival we want, get like press passes or better and write something up, but basically just have a good time. So I spent like maybe a year, I say a year, but probably a little bit longer than that. Just, just traveling the country and, and going to music festivals, which isn't a bad way to live while you're young, while you're young. That's freaking awesome. It was really cool because, you know, back then, you know, at first when you're looking at music blogs, everyone kind of like started out. And was doing just like song reviews and just posting songs you could download from SoundCloud. This is like glory days of SoundCloud. And then eventually, I say that we were responsible, but we were the ones who brought like BuzzFeed type listicles to, um, you know, to, to the electronic music world. And since it was blowing up like crazy, the, uh, the CPMs we were getting paid by the ad networks were insane. So if there was like a major festival going on, like EDC or something like that, in Las Vegas, you know, we would do a full site takeover where we're getting paid like $40 CPMs. And what that means is like, you're getting paid $40 for every freaking eyeball, you know, that, that comes or every visitor that comes to the site. And 
you know, this is 2009, 2010, you know, Facebook ads were incredibly stupid cheap back then. And we would just boost a post, you know, towards, you know, what someone likes or whatever, it would blow up, go super viral. And in a day we could cash like 5k, 8k in just ads. And it's like, now that's like, so freaking impossible to do, but back then it was awesome. And it kind of comes back to like, Hey, I built that hacker, hustler, do whatever it takes, figure it out mentality without being super technical the entire time. And if I see an opportunity, even if I don't know a ton about it, it's like, hey, we're going to jump onto it. We'll figure it out. And this was just like, hey, we can, we can do this with, with ads right now. And it didn't last forever, which you know, any easy way to make money typically never does. But it was a good time while it did. No, I, I love that hustler mentality. I feel like that's something that I like to describe myself as well. I feel like I'm a hustler as well. So whenever I meet someone that likes to call themselves a hustler, I feel like we would get along. It is. It is. But you got to watch out for the fake ones out there. You got to watch out for the fake ones. But when I talk about the hustle, I talk about, you know, someone that's going out there taking action, just not scared about things that they don't know, just learning along the way and taking action. I feel like that's a hustler. Yeah. And like, Right now, there, I would say there's like a war on hustle culture. It's like if you go and read like any blog or whatever, it's like, oh, working until this time is like bad and blah, blah, blah. And here, here's the, the gospel truth is that dude, for, a long, for a long time, you're going to have to work until your eyes bleed and stay up until your eyes bleed. And until you're gonna your be neck like, freezes. Until, until your, your neck, neck freezes. freezes. Like you're going to be like, you know, on looking up for like, something you messed up when you're trying to code something or something broke on your server and you have no idea what to do and you don't know who to call and you're going to stay up for like five hours trying to fix this thing when it was really like two lines you needed to change or you uploaded something incorrectly. But that is part of the game, you know? And if you don't enjoy that, well then it's like, Hey, you better freaking teach yourself to enjoy that. Otherwise, you know, stick, stay in your lane, I guess. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. And then, so what comes after your stint in Vietnam? So we started Natural Stacks in September of 2013, but it was always like my dream for a while. Like, hey, I'm going to try this nomad thing or go abroad. And, you know, once you do have a little bit of traction in your business, that's something you can do. And the short end of it all is, you know, we launched in September of 2013. I think I went to Asia in like November or something like that, maybe December. And I think in our first 100 days, we did over 100K in sales. And it was like, holy shit, this is going to oh, be you a gotta, You got to go further behind. You got to go. Yeah, yeah. We'll, you gotta we'll go rewind back. back. Well, we got to rewind. This, this interview is all, all out it's of order. Be the origin. This, I know this story. I've heard this story and it's a pretty insane story. So that's why we got to go back. We can't this go is like straight a, to the 100K. We got to go back yeah. to... This is like a Tarantino partner. podcast. Yes, exactly. It's like coming in parts and it's like all mixed up. Yeah. Um, but on the Vietnam thing, I did 100K in our first 100 days. So I was like, oh, this is a much bigger thing. We have to, I have to go back to the States uh, because I thought it was going to be much smaller. But we can start the origin story. Of, the origin uh, story uh, from the beginning. Going. From the beginning. Well... Let me rewind everything again. I think there was like a forum. You met someone on a forum or he messaged you. There was maybe some kind of podcast that you guys listened to where you guys heard about this like magical supplement. It's funny. I'm actually blanking on where Roy and I first 
started speaking. I think it was a forum or something like that. But uh, Roy is my business partner, smartest, sharpest, I'm sorry, Chris, most handsome dude that I know. <laughs> um, and he had another supplement company. And at the time, I was kind of doing like a little bit of the agency thing. And he hired me to get that business ready to sell. So he was on like Volusion, which I don't know if Volusion's even still around anymore. You, you, you know, you're kind of like dating yourself and you say Volusion because I most people have no days. idea. <laughs> yeah, most, most people have no idea because it's like Shopify or WooCommerce only today. But he was on Volusion. We, we shifted that business over to WooCommerce. We did a bunch of things. During that time, AlphaBrain was just starting to get popular. Like the Nootropics thing was just starting to blow up. It was really interesting because we're like, hey, we'd love to get involved or, or do something further together. Because even in the months that I was working for him, it's like we would just talk on Skype. We never did a video call. We never met in person. But we've always had that hey, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. You don't really have to check on them or anything like that. You know, we've worked extremely well together like that. And those are the people like I can only work with now. It's like, hey, we don't have to give instructions. I don't have to follow up with you. Just talk to me when it's done and, and we'll review it. So we already had a great working relationship. At one point, Roy listened to a podcast. I think it was the random show with Tim Ferriss. And he started talking about Siltep which is our flagship nootropic formula now. But back then he was like, hey, I found this you know, formula on the longevity, which is a forum that's all about, you know, basically transhumanism and kind of living forever. But all of these biohackers were experimenting with different nootropics and Siltep was one that was kind of, you know, had the most traction and a, a lot of people were already using it. And we were like, dude, we can just make this and put it into a capsule and, and sell it. There already is some sort of demand there and, you know, l let's do it. And I'm like, well, you know, let's see if it works. And I was, uh, so I was getting ready to like go to Asia at the time. He basically sent like all of the raw ingredients to my mom's house in the mail. <laughs> Give you over this package. It looks like I'm like a drug dealer. Cause it's just like bags of small powders and stuff that aren't labeled, <laughs> which is hilarious now that I think about it. And I, I tried it. I was like, wow, I don't know if this is placebo or something, but I'm, I'm freaking dialed in. I think he was living in like San Diego or something at the time. And he was like, yeah, I'm sitting at this. He's going to laugh if he ever listens to this. He's like, oh, I'm sitting in this uh, avocado grove right now. And just my thoughts are coming in clear. And we totally geeked out on it. Um, and I, I think if anyone's starting a business with a co-founder, partner, it's like, if you don't have that kind of magic in the beginning... And you don't feel those sparks of that, like, hey, you know, we're in, we're in on this shit. We're going to crush it. Yeah, leave now uh, before, before it gets worse. Because once you reach the hard times or even the good times, you never know what's going to happen. But after we tried it, we were like, hey, we're going to move forward. And the smartest thing we did was uh, link up with the creator of the formula. Uh, he goes online by the name Abelard Lindsay, probably the smartest person I know, like, computer programmer he's i think he's becoming a lawyer now he's like about to finish law school just like full spectrum anything you need you want to live forever this guy's got you you want to sue somebody he's got you too <laughs> it's exactly what you need in your corner but we were able um, to work with him you know finalize the formulation we've evolved on it over time and you know we we started the business i think we 
we originally registered like a Wyoming LLC in April and got it ready for sale by September. So I don't know how many months that is, but you know, we went from absolutely from zero to one in you know six or seven months. Dude, that's that's nuts. Okay, so the hundred K, I mean there's a story to that. How do you get a hundred K on your first day? Uh yeah, there's there's a lot of different stories. One that that I should t- say is that I definitely wasn't the smartest with my finances back then. So when we were starting the company, we were like, hey, I need to come up with money for our first production run. And I think it was like five or seven thousand dollars or something like that. So what I ended up doing was I think I put out a bunch of ads and messaged like a ton of local businesses and was like, hey, I can convert your website, you know, to to WordPress, which WordPress, obviously people were using it then, but not a ton were. And they were still like static HTML sites that the webmaster like there could never change or anything. Emailed all of these businesses and it was able to convince like one or two of them to do it. Got their HTML files, sent them to a freaking freelancer on Odesk at the time in Indonesia, paid him 150 bucks. He converted it all. And that's where I came up with like the seven grand. So yeah, that's, that first, the, yeah. that's the hustler mentality. <laughs> yeah. That, the you know, first that's the straight like, yeah. gangster hustler mentality. Yeah. Never stop hustling it. And it's like, look, a lot of people would be like, oh, $7,000. Like, oh, I, I should ask someone. And obviously if I would have asked like my parents or now nah, they probably wouldn't have given me the money, but I could have found the money asking for handouts or just, hey, I'll get you back as soon as we launch, blah, blah, blah. But refuse to do that and just figure it out on your own. And that's the way I've been like about everything. And I think once you accomplish one thing, you're like, hey, I know that's possible now. Then you just set your sights on something even bigger. And, and that's what we've done the whole way. Dude, I love it. Have you heard of the term high agency? I feel like that's like the perfect example of high agency. I have not. So please enlighten me. Okay. So high agency is something like when you hear the word no or something feels like impossible, do you just sit back and just take it? Or do you try to figure out a way to get over that hump? For you, like you needed to get 7,000. And instead of just saying, oh, I don't have 7,000, you thought, how do I get that $7,000 and try to figure out a way to get that? That's high agency. Uh, High agency. I like it. I'm super hot it. term in the streets right now. Super, super hot term. How do they say it in Korean? <laughs> I don't think they have a term, but I don't think they have a term for that. But maybe I'll have to invent it. Okay, so you get the initial production run. What's next? I think, so, you know, every every step of, or every part of my career, my story, it's like stepping stones, right? So first stepping stone would be like gift card rescue, During that time, I was also building like tons of niche sites. Some of them I flipped for on Empire Flippers and other different sites like Flippa and stuff like that. Mentality, yeah, that was that was easy back then. And now, if you ask me to do it, I'm like, man, this this shit's too hard. But so you know, learn the e-commerce thing, and then in with the music site before I sold that one, it was like, man, this is a this is a trend wave, you know, because it went from like electronic was just in like the dirty clubs or whatever like that in the basement type thing. And now it's like, Oh my God, you can hear the freaking chain smokers on the radio, which those guys were hustlers. I used to talk to them a bunch back when they were first coming up, they would send the craziest, craziest, most ridiculous emails out to get featured and God, they deserve everything they have. But, you know, saw how that electronic thing kind of came up and was like, Hey, 
you know, we are right at the forefront of this wave. I mean, we're all seeing waves right now, whether you look at cryptocurrency, which was super crazy, and now you're down a little bit, it's going to be super crazy again. You look at marijuana, you look at all the fake meat, which is disgusting. Don't ever eat it. But I'm not you know, into that. <laughs> no, if not, you're into longevity, no fake food, guys. Don't don't eat it. But there, there's a lot of people making money in that space right now. And and these are things you learn to see. And once you get more advanced in business, you figure out your own way to take advantage of them. You know, seeing how music went up, we were like, hey, we're on kind of the forefront of this biohacker. Uh, nootropics, mental optimization, full body optimization type wave. Recognizing that, we were like, hey, as long as we're able to get you know, the early adopters or the hardcore to buy in first, we'll be able to you know, scale, scale it up from there because we'll just, we'll just ride the whole wave. And what we did was we did a really, really good business deal with, um, with Dave Asprey, who's like obviously one of the top experts in the entire world on that and the bullet creator bulletproof coffee. And we were for the longest time, you know, one of the only brands he sold on his website that wasn't his. How'd you guys even get that deal with Dave Asprey? I mean, you guys are pretty it's funny. People, time. people would always like ask that. So one, it was really simple. We got very Dave lucky. Asprey is huge, by the way, guys, if oh, you guys yeah. don't know who Dave Asprey He's is, probably a billionaire now. Huge. Or like that. Yeah. Bulletproof coffee. Try a little bit too much calories for me right now, but it will give you the energy that you need to last throughout the day. Um, I'm on that intermittent fasting, so no butter for me in the morning. No? Yeah. What, what are you doing, like a 16-8? Yeah, exactly. Nice. You can do a 16-8 and still drink beer or alcohol and be okay as long as it's in the eight-hour window. Okay. Anyone out there listening? You got to give it a try. But uh, one, we had the cred- credibility of, of Siltap already being there. Um, you know, people already taking the formula and for it to kind of already be adopted by a certain subset of, uh, of people. And then two, you know, he didn't really have something to offer in that area yet. So it's like, we already have a little bit of credibility. Uh, we have what we thought was a really good fit for him. And then, you know, we just reached out and I think it was like a three or four sentence email that I sent out, which is the best way to approach anyone. A lot of times you're, you're trying to approach, you know, whether it's a business person, a mentor, whatever, and you're going to write this like five paragraphs. It's like all about you. I'm great because blah, 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 blah. I'm great because blah, blah, I did this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, they're busy. They do not give a shit about you. You need to send them three or four sentences that basically explains what you're going to do for them. And as long as you do that, you know, usually the message will get through and you'll get a response. And, and, and that's what we did. We're like, hey, you know, this is a great product uh, because of this reason. It'll fit in your range because of here. You know, let's talk. And that's where it all started. Simple, right? Simple, but hard to do. You know, because I feel like you have to break out of your comfort zone and it's very, very hard for a lot of people to break out of their comfort zone. But I feel like what you did is uh, all he can say is no. You know, it's it's really it's something really easy to do. So I think that's awesome that you guys did that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've never really had a really strong fear of rejection that that a lot of people do. And I guess a lot of Asian guys especially have a fear of rejection. And it's just like, dude, it does not matter. If you get rejected by someone for a job, you get rejected 
Well, I'm still mad at Best Buy for rejecting me five times. But if you get if you get rejected, it's like, dude, just get over it and move on to the next one. And if if you let those things really upset you or you take it personally or whatever, uh, you're always going to be in a bad mood. You're always going to be depressed because you're still going to get rejected all the time. I don't care who you are. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so the Dave Asprey thing was a big point in your company. What other big points were there? Well, that happened, I think, in November, and we launched in September of 2013. And what what you're doing essentially was like a JV deal where we were selling you know, our product to his audience, but you're getting a ton of credibility, right? So if you're first starting your business out and you're bootstrapped, you don't have a ton of money for marketing or you don't know what to do with marketing, the best thing you can do is to tap into someone else's audience. They're going to give you credibility, they're going to give you eyeballs, and they're going to bring you sales. Or they're going to bring you, you know, customer signups if you're doing a SaaS product. A lot of people are like, hey, we're, we're going to start like, spending money on Facebook, or we're going to start a podcast, or we're going to start doing this to, to bring in people. Whereas it's a million times easier and more profitable to tap into someone's el- someone else's audience until you have your own. Right, but it, it, if they fit and they're complimentary, you know, just offer them a crazy, insane deal and, and get it going. I need to take that advice actually for this podcast. You know, just because I'm starting off at ground zero for my podcast, and so yeah, I think that I need to approach a lot of bigger names in this space, get them on my pod- podcast, and I think that's a really good strategy to use. Yeah, get get them on your show, get them to trade. Like, what is the goal for the show? Are you just trying to get listeners? Are you trying to sell me like an ebook for nine ninety five on how to be cool <laughs> like you? I mean, what's going on? I'm just trying to grow an audience right now, and then we'll see later down the line. So maybe like three five years down the line. Who knows? Three to but, five years. That's a yeah, long time. Yeah. I'm long term. I'm in the long term game for this. Wow, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's and I like sharing these types of stories. I love entrepreneurship. I love personal development, this kind of thing. And so I think it's really fun to just share my story. Three to five years. That's a long, I might have like five kids by then or something. Dude, like that. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I, I decided that if I'm going to do this, then I need to do this long term. Like I'm not going to do just like five or 10 episodes and stop. I really decided that I'm just going to make this a long term thing. And yeah, it's, it's a project that I'm really passionate about. It's really fun. And I think you saw my post in the Facebook group. I woke up at 5.30 a.m. Like who wakes up at 5.30 a.m. to like have an interview or something like that? I generally wake up at like 5.30 a.m. Oh, do you, are you in the 5 a.m. club? Yeah. I mean, the, in Seattle uh, during the summer, you know, because we're so far freaking northwest, yes. like the sun is up then anyway. And as soon as I get, get hit with that sunlight, I'm like, boom, right right out of bed so what time are you going to sleep uh usually like 10 30 ish 10 30 to 11 at the latest so that's like solid six six hours pretty yeah that's really solid actually are you super into sleeping like are you doing like the like supplements before sleeping the before sleeping oh yeah i have to sleep with a freezing cold room i also sleep with a pillow over my head which is weird how about chili pad are you I don't, I don't have a chili pad? pad or anything. Okay. At night, my supplement stack is I take our MagTech Magnesium, and then I'm taking some of our Dream CBD, which is a full-spectrum hemp oil with only a half milligram of melatonin. If you're taking anything more than that, it's uh, significant, probably too much. But that's what I'm taking at night. If I really need to relax, I'll take some GABA too. 
or maybe a little bit of vino. But um, I need to get on the CBD train. Oh man, you need to. I need to get on that CBD train. <laughs> but you know, I'm in Korea. I don't think it's allowed here. Yeah, I, I'd be. We'd be podcasting from prison, probably. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, avoid that. Okay, and so I know that there's some other big points. You know, you got to tell the World Series po- of poker story. Oh, the poker story! Tell, yeah, yeah, the World this, Series. This of is poker cool story. because this happened a little bit after that. One, just to talk about poker. I've been like meeting all these people recently who are like, "Oh man, I'm so good at poker. Like, if I played, like, I'm guaranteed to make the money. I'm guaranteed to make the money." And it's so funny because I, I'm talking to. I was talking to Martin just yesterday and uh, Martin Jacobson, uh, we sponsored him. He, he did win the World Series of Poker 2014. If you ever want to go to a good party, uh, you should go to one after someone wins $10 million in Las Vegas. That's pretty cool. Just throwing it out there. If you ever get the opportunity, don't say no. But obviously, he's one of the world's greatest poker players, you know, number one all time for like Swedish players in the money wise. And you know, here he is this year at the World Series of Poker. And he's only made the money one out of 24 tournaments. So he's entered 24 and he's made the money once. And this is an elite player, right? So one, it's like, hey, no matter how skilled you are at certain games, you know, obviously luck is a major factor. But two, it's like you just have to keep going. And it's like he could stop. You know, he definitely has enough money that he doesn't need to play. But it's like, hey, keep going, stay in the game, and eventually things will change, even when you're in a rough patch which, you know, I, he probably wouldn't say that he is right now. And that's just part of the accepted, you know, playing, being a poker pro. But I heard that. And I was like, dude, one out of 24. I'm like, ah, that's insane. That's insane to me. Cause I'm like, you're the best. You're like my hero, you know? And then, so like, how did that partnership even come about? It came up very like natural and organically. We actually haven't devoted like a ton of our marketing budget into paying for sponsorships or influencers or anything like that. Uh, which is rare for a supplement company. I actually don't know how we're still around in, in business. But uh, Martin was taking our products, and he sent me a message and was just like, hey, uh, I'm playing in the World Series of Poker on ESPN. Uh, would you guys want to sponsor me? And I'm like, who is this fucking guy? I have to like, because I don't watch poker or anything like that. And we go and like Google his name. It's like, holy shit, he's actually like a really big deal, and it is going to be on ESPN, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we have to get a deal done. And I'm going back and forth with him. I was like, this is in October, I guess, of 2014 or, or maybe 20. I don't know what year it was. But right before that, I just spoke at the Dynamite Circle Conference, DCBKK. Okay. Yeah, so I, 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 every ju- year. I just spoke there. And we get like a message that CNN's doing like a thing on Nootropics and they want to interview Justin. So I'm like, oh shit, I guess I got to fly back. And so I'm like, oh God, book a freaking flight from Thailand to San Francisco, get to San Francisco, jet lagged as hell. And then all of a sudden we're like, hey, how do we get this deal done with Martin? I'm literally sitting in a freaking, I think there's like a city target right there in downtown. And I'm like sitting there on Skype, like in the little like shitty Starbucks that's there. And we're just like going back and forth. And he's like, well, I want 75 grand or I'm not sure how much it was. And we're like, oh, dude, we, we don't have that much money. I'm sorry. And we were just being honest. And so after that, he's like, well, I want a piece of your company. Can you give me some equity? And I just look at Roy and like, eh, we don't have any equity either. <laughs> 
okay, we, we don't have any equity to give either. Uh, so, so that would have worked. What we were able to do was structure a deal where, hey, he got a percentage of sales for a certain amount of time. We got to put a patch on. We filmed a documentary that you could watch at you know, youtube.com slash natural stacks. And he won the entire thing, which was like crazy. And the coolest thing was like, oh, man, everyone's like, you must have put in a lot of work to like make all this happen and blah, blah, blah. It's like it, we were just playing it by ear. It all happened as like a flash. But you know, we got the deal done. A lot of other people in, I guess, different situations would have folded under that pressure. I hate to say that. It's because that's like a poker thing, but they would have given in and said, Hey, we're going to get the money or, Hey, we're just going to give you like some shares of the company or, or something like that. But especially early on, you need to maintain cash flow, obviously. And then two, um, I think you need to maintain as much control as, as possible of the business. And don't be afraid to pass up on opportunities that you don't want to stretch for because, you know, while you're talking about longevity and you want to be alive until forever, it's like, man, you want your business to be alive for forever too. If he would have gotten knocked out first round, you know, or been the first player knocked out and would have been on ESPN for, you know, 20 minutes or something like that. And if we gave this guy, you know, a piece of our company and everything, I'm like, Hey, what the hell? We just did that complete waste. But you always want to structure a deal that favors you you know, long-term, you know, with the end game in mind, I guess. And don't be afraid to pass on something, even if you don't want to, which we've had to do other times. But this time we just, we got super lucky. Maybe he got a little bit luckier, but we got lucky too. That's such an epic story. I love hearing it. I wish I could have told it a little bit more elegantly, but I think everyone gets the idea. No, it's good. It's so good. Okay. So what's going on with your company now? What's Natural Stacks up to now? Right now, we are growing in hustle, kill, fight. We're actually moving. To, we're, this is being recorded on the nineteenth. I guess the twentieth. There, we're moving yeah, to 20th. a new. We're moving to a new warehouse, like three times the size, immaculate, beautiful space where it's like walking distance from my house. Where I'm like, hey, this is where we're going to grow. You know, this business for the next five years, which has been big. You know, we moved our own. Uh, we moved to our own fulfillment maybe two years ago, which is an e-commerce business is a huge risk and huge hassle, a huge pain in the ass. But I think it's better than dealing with most of the three PLs that are out there, especially if you care about the customer experience. So, you know, we're just, we're just trying to grow on all fronts. Uh, we're doing a lot of retail, doing a lot online, doing a lot international. It's a, it's a good time. Dude, that's awesome. Is that why you're in Washington? Well, we've been living, my wife and I have been living in Austin for, I think, like three years or so. And, man, it's just too fucking hot over there. <laughs> we, we, we wanted to change, and Roy had been living here in Seattle for some time. And we'd come out every once in a while and really loved it. And we actually moved here in the winter, or maybe in the fall, I guess a little over a year ago. And everyone was like, man, you're going to hate it. It's just rainy. It's dark and cloudy all the time. Yeah, which it is, but really reignited my passion for snowboarding. I think it was like every time, every day that it snows, I drive out to the mountain and go, and, and we love it here because it's such a diverse area compared to compared to Austin and compared to where both of us you know grew up in different areas. We love it. I need to get out there. 
And well, I feel like, yeah, I need to get out there. Yeah. I'm going to, when I come there, I'm going to hit you up. I'm really into nature walks these days, you know, like walking around in nature because that book, Digital Minimalism, talks about thinking while you walk. And also, Naval is super into thinking while you walk. So I've been taking really long walks and you, I want to be somewhere. You'll be blown away by, by the parks here and the water. I mean, there's a million islands that are all. You, know, you can jump on a ferry and be there in you know, 20 minutes. You drive 30 minutes or drive an hour one way or the other. You can be in the mountains. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it does, have, it, it does have like a month or two where you're like, man, I'm over this rain shit. But then you just go to like Hawaii or Mexico or something. Every city has its pros and cons. Okay. And so we have a lot of young dudes in our Facebook group. If they were to start a business now, what kind of advice would you give them? If you had to start your business from the beginning, what kind of advice would you give them? Like any kind of business or just business in general? Business in general. Let's let's keep it general. Well, I mean, it could be e-commerce it, too, since that's your expertise. So it's so interesting. It's like there, there's a lot of... So if you want to win, if you want to be successful, if you want to set yourself up for freedom and blah, 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 you know, all of, all of the good things that come with it, you know, I think first... You either need a mentor or a mentor, you know, a mastermind or some sort of group of people that are all dedicated to the same thing. Facebook oh. group, badass Asian. <laughs> I I don't know. There's not a ton of moderation going on right now, so I don't know if it's exactly. I don't know if it's where you want to be. I don't know if it's where you want to be. But you know, you need you need to surround yourself with that. There are very few people, and that that can go on their own that are like lone wolf that can go watch YouTube videos that can go listen to podcasts and that can just execute. You know, the, the biggest thing for me was I got the hard experience working somewhere else. I found a bunch of mentors. I found a bunch of like-minded people where, you know, my network is so big now that if I have a problem in anything, you know, I can just reach out and it's like, you need to create that. And because of the internet, you can, you know, no matter where you live, Anywhere in the world, you can do that. But unless you have that group, it's going to be a lot harder to be successful. And, you know, some of that can be found. It's like, hey, if you want to start e-commerce, you join like Anton's Dropship Lifestyle, which is an awesome community and great content. And you can learn that the me- that method there. And that'll apply, obviously, to a lot of other e-commerce things. You could do something like, I don't know if the Amazing Selling Machine, that thing is still around, but you could join a program like that you know that's one way to be successful but i think ultimately you want to surround yourself with like-minded people that are dedicated and if they're not dedicated just cut them there will be a lot of times and that's why i always say like don't partner up with friends or something like that someone you know because as soon as they start slacking they'll be like oh it's okay they'll come back around next week or they're just busy you'll make up excuses for them it's like no don't make up excuses for them if someone's slacking like just cut them because ben, you only have one ben life. Really, ben really takes that advice to heart because I was part of his <laughs> Facebook mastermind group. And every single week, you had to give an update as to what you did on your business. And I didn't give an update, and I found myself kicked out of that group. So it's true. He really does think that if they're not committed, you got to cut them out. Yeah, I, I mean especially early on. And I'm sorry for cutting you from the group. Do you remember this? By the, I don't think you, I don't, we didn't really know each other then. I think I was invited by someone else, but I remember. And uh, wow, I still feel hurt. 
<laughs> I will, I will make it up to you. I will make it up. But no, it's a lot of people. I mean, one, you shouldn't cut yourself any slack when you're like starting out because you'll, you'll do that. You'll be like, Oh, well, I did this last week. I can take this time off, whatever, while you're learning, while you're growing until you've reached, you know, one little level of success. You can't, you can't do that. And then two, you definitely can't have people around you that are going to slow you down, especially if you're on that path. And I know that if someone's listening to this right now and they're already like trying to start a business or they're trying to flip houses or trying to do whatever, I know you have that one person that you're like, they're kind of along for the ride, but they're just kind of wishy-washy on it. I'm telling you, just, just cut them now. It'll be a lot easier. They'll understand later and keep going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's so true that you have to be around like-minded people. That's one of the most important things. The people you spend the most time with, they are the biggest influences in your life. So absolutely. I, absolutely. I mean, look at your social circle. If you can count like your extremely close friends on like more than your hands and toes, you probably have too many close friends, I would say, because a lot of that's going to come with baggage early on. And it's like, dude, you need to if you're in hustle mode, creation mode, a lot of that's got to go. Yeah. Okay. I, I think like, a, it, I forget who said it, but it's like, you know, you can only pick like three where it's like, oh, you can have your health, you can have your sleep, you can have your friends, or you can have a social life. You can only pick like two if you want to, if you want to be really successful at a, a startup or business early on. It's like, man, that's true. And people will tell you, oh, it's work-life balance, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, in the beginning, it's not. And the beginning can be, you know, a couple years. It could be more than that. It could be six months to a year, you know, depending on what you're doing. But that's something people need to be prepared for that. If you do want to get started in entrepreneurship, that it is a full jump. It's not something you half-ass. I mean, you can half-ass it, but you're never going to get anywhere and end up stuck back where you were. Yeah, agreed. And going back to Twitter, I know you said that you love Twitter. I remember I read a tweet it said, show me your top five podcasts and I'll show you who you are. So I feel like even like the podcast that you listen to, that is an influence in your life, you know, and like the influencers that you listen to. So that's a plug for badass Asian dudes. I think this will help change a <laughs> lot you know, of people. You know, I honestly listened to my first podcast in maybe like two or three years the other day it was yeah. when I was in Miami at that gym and I've listened to, uh, the Joe Rogan Naval episode, just because I'm like a Naval nerd. Yep. And I was like, wow, mind blown. But if you know another good one, send me, send me the link. Cause I, I just don't do it. I just do books. I just, I'm like an audible addict. Oh, I, are you, what kind of audible books do you like? I really just churn through anything. Okay. And it's like two times speed. I'll flip from like history to like the Chernobyl book to like a Russian spy thing to like, you know, something about Michael Jordan, so something about World War One. It's kind of all over the place. I feel like I can't concentrate when I'm listening to a book, like going about my day, like doing things. I feel like I miss a lot of things. So I feel like for me, physical books are the way to go. Yeah. If it's something that I really like and can't put down, I straight up, I'll just mix it. You know, I'll get the audible book and then I'll buy the book. And sometimes I'll buy the Kindle too, which is dumb because I think it should all come for free when you buy the audible. But that's nah, okay. Support no, the too. authors. They're not getting rich anyway. Me too. I buy the physical book. I buy the Kindle book. And sometimes I'll have the audiobook. I'll have all three because I just want to switch up how it's I like, and consume it's, that it, content. People will say like, oh, Audible is expensive or whatever. It's like, 
dude, you're literally, even if you buy all three of them, maybe you're spending like $40, 50 bucks. And it's like the amount of knowledge that you're going to get out of that is like one meal, you know, at dinner. For sure. For it's sure. like one bottle of wine. And it's like, and you're going to find something in there and it might just be like one or two things, but it completely change your perspective. I mean, I was, the thing I'm listening to right now, the quote that I shared today was just like new results require new behaviors. And I don't know why it stuck out to me so much. And it's obviously it's like something that I know, but we recently got hit like pretty hard with the new Google update. And I'm like, man, new results require new behaviors. And I talked to my team like, look, we got to get juiced up over this. This is just an attack on us. We can do better. We're going to get better results and we're going to change up the strategy just slightly. I love that quote. What book is that from? I'm not sure. It sounds like something a, about- Atomic Habits or something. It sounds like it's, an Atomics Habits kind of quote. It's like that. It's, uh, I can tell you in a second. Let's see. Okay, but I, I love that quote, and I think that's so true. So for me, how I interpret that is you got to step out of your comfort zone. If you want growth, then you got to step out of your comfort zone. you got to do things that you don't do. So I love yeah. that. And, and it's so easy to like stagnate. You know, once you get like your basic needs taken care of, it, it's easy to, to just feel complacent and it you know with us or with me personally you know the happiest day i've ever been in my entire life money wise when it comes to like financial success was when you know natural sex was first growing and i was like holy crap i'm gonna be able to pay myself six figures and it was just like mind-blowing because i'm like man this is just something super small that we like just started and it's actually becoming like a big thing I was just like blown away, like, oh my gosh, you know, it, it's sustainable, it's growing, uh, we don't have any debt, I'm going to pay myself six figures, and I was just like over the moon floored, and maybe it'll happen if we like sell the company one day, but every other, you know, stepping stone hasn't felt like that, so it was easy to get like, oh, you know, not as motivated to do things, and I had to find that somewhere else. Now it's yeah. just like, hey, it's us against the world, let's beat everyone. Okay. That's awesome, dude. I think that's pretty good, Ben. I think I've had you for quite a while here. I'm a talker, dude. I could talk and talk and talk. Okay, well, let's ask this. I have this one other question. I actually didn't know that uh, you were a Korean adoptee until you messaged me about that. Oh, now we're now we're getting deep at the we're end. We're getting of deep. We're getting deep. So, what was that like? <sighs> what was that like? Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting for me. So. I was adopted at four months old from South Korea. Uh, my parents are both Caucasian, white. So if you want to label me, I'm allowed to call myself a transracial adoptee. I always tell my friends that and they laugh and kind of punch me or something. But, you know, I had that stereotypical, you know, perfect American suburban upbringing where all my needs were met, everything was taken care of. I never had to worry, you know, about anything, which was, which was awesome. I never really struggled with the identity issues that a lot of adoptees have. So a lot of adoptees can kind of feel like abandoned or not really connect with, you know, the new situation that they're in. They might go off and try and find their, uh, their, I call them the DNA parents, but you know, their birth parents or something like that. You know, for me, it was always like, Hey, I'm just so fucking lucky that, that uh, I'm going to take the, the, the biggest advantage of it that I can. You know, was it challenging 
For me, not at all. Is it for a lot of other people? Like my brother and sister both adopted from the Philippines as well. You know, they've obviously had a lot different situation than I have. Uh, the adoptees that I've met and talked to are like, oh, we need to go back and find, find themselves or looking for some deeper meaning. And I'm like, nah, like really happy with how things are now. For sure, dude. That's awesome. I think I know two other Korean adoptees as well. It was really, really popular in the 80s and 90s. I think in the year 1989, I was one of 4,000 people. But I'm like, man, I, I, it's like the first time I hit the lotto coming, coming to the States and growing up in a, an amazing family that, that loved me and uh, really encouraged me to kind of do, do what I wanted. I always said that, hey, if I would have grown up with, uh, with Asian parents, it would have been a lot stricter. My grades would have been better, and I'd probably be like almost a consultant at McKinsey or something like that. Not a doctor because I'm, I'm, I'm bad at science, but maybe a, maybe a consultant. And then when you came to Korea, I think it was last year. Was that your first time coming to Korea? No, it wasn't. I was there during the World Cup, which I guess is like 2001 or 2002. I stayed there with my parents, and we were there for a family friend's wedding. But it's interesting because it's like, maybe I do have like some sort of, I don't know, negative feelings towards it because I never like vibe with it. I go, I go to Korea and we were out. And I'm like, man, all these people dress way cooler than I do, first of all. But like when I go to, uh, like when I was in Ho Chi Minh City or when I go to Tokyo or something like that, I'm like, man, I could like live here in a second. I vibe with like everything. In Korea, maybe it's like, maybe I do feel slightly rejected. I guess I, I have to spend more time there. Hmm, interesting. Well, you have me out here. So when you come out, I got to show you out. Okay, Ben, where can people find out more about you or your company? The company is naturalstacks.com. But we, we didn't talk about this. I'm actually changing my name, to my last name to Ford. So you can find me at benford.io. Okay. That's a, that's that's a long fair. story. Benford.io. I think we'll have you back in three to five years. Three to five Five years? years. (laughs) Oh, my God. We'll have you back in three to five years. Get an update. See where natural sex is out. Three to five years. We're long term. I'll talk to you then. Ben, thank you so much. And see you in the Facebook group. See you in the group. I'm going to be active. Yo, guys. That's the end of the interview. What do you guys think? I thought it was really awesome. Ben is someone that I respect so, so much. He is seriously a hustler. He's one of the best business minds I know, one of the best marketers I know. So even myself, I learned a ton from this interview. So if you really liked it, please subscribe and share. If you really enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review. And also just remember that I have a Facebook group, Badass Asian Dudes. You can meet other like-minded individuals who are hustling on their path. It's really awesome to see it growing. So thanks again, and I'll see you guys next week. 